Right. Okay. Let's get into this message. Uh, breaking free from the spirit of poverty. Right. And as I mentioned, that I keep mentioning, and as I say, uh, re- repetition is important. And repetition allows the penny to drop. Right? The way you feed on the word is by meditation. Not just listening to it once. Okay? And the way you feed on the word is not by the accumulation of information. Um, so you listen to the message today and tomorrow you, you listen on to something else on Facebook or on YouTube. That is not the way you grow in the Lord. You are accumulating information that does not really add much to your growth. You want to grow, you meditate upon the word that God has sent to you, right? And, and that word that you meditate upon causes you to grow in the Lord. And, and so repetition is important. Now, when we say, let us break free from the spirit of poverty, then we are talking about breaking free Right from the attitude, the thinking, the behavior, the thought patterns, right, that so easily surface when we find ourselves in a situation. As you all know, it's, it is uh, our, almost our natural inclination that when finances are tight, to think where are we going to get it? How are we going to get it? Um, will we survive till the end of the month? That way of thinking is our natural way of thinking. But in those moments, it's the time when we should think differently. No, but we will survive until the end of the month. No, we will have more than we need. I heard a testimony the other day of, of, um, you know, people being concerned about not having enough. And let's just, this that we have, let's make it stretch and um, someone responded and said, no, but let's eat the food. We have a father. It's okay. And at the end of the day, the Lord came through. Two days later, there was a testimony and everything was working fine. So, already we do have testimonies. And this, this message on the spirit of poverty has taken a shift. Right? It has taken a shift. It is, we are now focusing on the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is the father-son understanding. Okay? Not spiritual fathering or spiritual sonship. Not being the son to a man. Right? But we are talking about God is your father and you are his son. Right? But for that to be a reality to you, you first have to understand that that God, God came in flesh and Jesus we call the Son of God and how in the Son is the Father and in the Father is the Son. This whole understanding and relationship. And we mentioned that to, to break free, you have to come to the revelation of God as your Father. Right? Are you all with me? You have to come to the revelation of God as your father. So it is, a, it is an instant that, that if, if, you, if you were an orphan and did not have anybody to take care of you and you took care of yourself, but someone adopted you then, automatically the adoption means you have a house. Because what the father or the parents have now is yours. You have immediately become an heir. So you have a house. You have food. You have drink. You have clothes. All of a sudden you have a bed. You have a bedroom. All of a sudden you don't need to provide for yourself. You have somebody that is taking care of you. It is an automatic thing that parents take care of children. And so it breaks it, it, when that realization through revelation, not information. I may be saying this and you say, but I know that. But it's not that that I want you to know. I want a revelation to come to you. An unveiling, a deep, a deep certainty that came from a, a, 
an unveiling that I've heard this before, but I've never realized it the way I do at this present moment. That can only happen by the Holy Spirit. Right? And unless you asking the Holy Spirit to make this known to you, then you will only sit with the information and still, while you accommodate the information, you are still practicing old behaviors. Right? And so we are moving now from this place called the spirit of poverty. It's thinking, it's attitude, it's behavior, it's ways, shifting and crossing over into a place called Christ, the Father and the Son. Right? And this this Father and Son doctrine, um, the doctrine of Christ, you know, there are times when the Lord shares things with you, and when He shares it, you know, the Scriptures open like popcorn. It just pops everywhere. Wherever you read, it's like, this thing just makes sense. Oh, you know, oh, this is what Jesus always said, and you read anywhere, and it's like, Everything is just making sense. That's how you know you've hit bullseye. Right? And to hit bullseye and to be accurate and exact, the exact and bullseye is Christ. He is the image of the invisible God. He is bullseye. Accurate knowledge is Him. Right? Accurate knowledge of who the Father is Him. Right? And you, and so when you bring the doctrine of Christ, you are actually bringing people the exact knowledge. Right? The exact knowledge. And the, and as we are going to go into this message, what you need to understand is that it might seem to you that I'm not addressing the issue of poverty, but I am. Right? You know, I might now, after this, not use the word poverty again. Right? But I am dealing with it. But I am just shifting the focus. Not to make you aware of your behaviors, but to bring you into the reality or uh, into this revelational knowledge of Him. And we need to communicate this so that we can establish in us come to a place of conviction, right? Come to a place of firmness and uh, that, that is what I firmly believe, right? And so we need to look at this. And so I would ask you not to think or feel that he's off the topic. I am not off the topic, right? I am on the topic. Okay, right. But... Grace comes to us through the communication of God's Word. If you are looking for grace, then you need to say, let me listen to the preacher. If you, if you haven't come to that realization yet, then, then perhaps you need to, right? So that you can understand the importance of of gathering around a preacher to hear. Okay? So, the scripture says in, perhaps we can read, is it First Peter chapter 1, verses 2. Sorry, Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. I got Second Peter and Second Peter, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You want grace? What do you need? Knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge that comes from the word of God, right? That unlocks to you the understanding of God and Jesus Christ, Jesus our Lord, in the understanding there is grace and peace that is multiplied to you. Okay? So, and when, when knowledge comes and there's faith in the knowledge, 
then you access grace. Right? Then you access grace. So when we are looking for grace, when we are looking for grace, we are looking for knowledge. So how is grace administrated to you? By the administration or the stewardship of His Word. The mysteries of God's Word. That's why the book of Psalms says that your lips may drip with grace. That's why the book of Ephesians says, watch how you speak so that your words may not, not speak negatively or in a bad ways towards someone, but that it may minister grace to the hearer. How do you minister grace to the hearer? By speaking. The revelation of God's word that you have received. Right? If you are looking for grace, you are looking for the word, the knowledge of Him. Okay? Amen? So, today as we venture into the doctrine of Christ, my prayer is that grace will be multiplied to you. Okay? Grace will be multiplied to you. So, let's go to Second John chapter 1 and verses 7 and 10. Second John chapter 1 verses 7 and 10. 7 to 10, sorry. Okay. For, me, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an anti-Christ. Okay, so the deceiver is one who rejects this truth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Or another scripture will say that Jesus is the Christ. Right? Uh, this is a deceiver and an anti-Christ. So what this is also saying is that it is... It is telling you that if, if there is a religion that cannot accept that Jesus is the Christ, God's Son, or God in the flesh, then that religion is an antichrist. There are religions where they believe in Jesus, but they believe that he's a prophet, but not someone that is God's Son. That is an antichrist. Okay? Are you all with me? So, this is a deceiver and an antichrist. Verses 8. Look to yourselves that, you, that we lose not those things which we, which we have wrought, um, but that we receive a full reward. Verse 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abides not in the doctrine of Christ has not God. He that abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. Right? So if you have accepted the doctrine of Christ, then there is this truth that you have both the Father and the Son. Okay? So the Father is in you through the Son. Okay? So, this scripture is very clear. The doctrine of Christ is not only about His Son. The doctrine of Christ is also about the Father. It is the Father and the Son. Okay? It is, and in this, there is a relationship between the two. Before we were in it, there was the Father and the Son. And this, there was this relationship, this fellowship, kenonia, partnership, oneness, union. He in me and I in him and we are one in each other. There is this oneness between them. This, this, there is no divorce between them. There is no separation. If you have the one, you have the other. You cannot have the one and not have the other. You automatically have both. If you have Christ, you have both the Father and the Son. 
And you, when we've been brought into Christ, we've been brought into the Father and the Son. And so we are now participating in the fellowship of the Godhead. This fellowship, this relationship that was only between the Father and the Son, we have now also entered into this relationship. And we fellowship with the Father and with the Son. We are in it, in this relationship, right? Now if you read on in verses 10, If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, Receive him not into your house, neither bid him God speed. Verse 11, For he that bids him God speed is partaker of his evil deeds. If a man cannot accept, right, that God is his father, he is antichrist. Right? If a man or a woman or any person cannot accept, right, that God came in the flesh, he is antichrist. If a man cannot accept that, that's why so many people are about the Jews and Israel and so on, but they reject the fact that Jesus was the Son of God. That is antichrist. I know you would love to get in the plane and go visit, and I have no problem with going there and studying the history, but you must... You must come to this understanding that Israel is not God's elect. You know, those are some things I would like to talk to, but it's not really a subject for a Sunday. Right? But there are countless scriptures that clearly show you that election is not by works, it's by grace. So while they are the ones of works, we are the ones of grace. And any of them in Israel that will accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, as the Son of God, have now become the election by grace. And so God is saving both Jew and Gentile. Right? Are you with me? So, the, the doctrine of Christ is to believe in the Father and in the Son. Okay? Let's go to First John. So my goal here today is not to rush. Okay, not to rush to a point. It's like Tamu says, massage something into you. Okay, First John chapter 2. Let's go 21. 21. It says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? So, before we go on, what does it mean to deny that Jesus is the Christ? When you're talking about Jesus, then obviously we're talking about that name Jesus only arrived, okay, Okay, I've got to say this now carefully because there's many people that have the name Jesus. It's true. Yeah. And then they go, Jesus. Their name, my name is Jesus or Jesus. And, but you, when you spell it, it's Jesus, right? Um, so, Jesus is the Christ. So, Jesus, the one that we are focusing on, is the one that we say he had a body like ours. He had flesh and blood like us. Right? He had an ear. He had hair. He had nose. He went to the toilet like you and I. He bathed. He did all these things. He needed to eat. He walked. He was in the earth. That Jesus is the Christ. Christ is God. That means when we say Jesus is the Christ, then we are saying that this person walking here in the earth is God in flesh. We are saying that God dwelt among us. We are saying that God descended into a body like mine, made like unto the fashion of men, the likeness of men. He came 
Right? He descended. And when he came, he got a name. Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Right? Okay? You will understand why that's important. Okay? You will understand. I'll bring you to the importance of that. Right? So, if you cannot accept that, right, how are you even going to accept that God dwells in you? Because if you find that impossible, then how will it be possible for Him now to dwell in you? The importance of Jesus is the Christ is that we understand and we come to the belief that it is possible for God to dwell in flesh. It's possible for God to make flesh His body. It's possible for God to make flesh His home. It's possible for God to make flesh His temple, His dwelling. Because God dwelt in Jesus Christ. He came in the flesh named Jesus the Christ. Jesus Christ. Okay? Are you all with me? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Why would someone deny the Father and the Son? Because if you can't accept that in Christ is the Father and the Son, if you have not, if you do not have, if you cannot accept that, then you cannot have the Father and the Son. Because when Christ came, in Him was Father and Son. That became flesh. Are you all with me? Okay. That became flesh. Let's read on verses uh, 23. Whosoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. Okay. So, but he who acknowledges the Son has the Father... Also, to accept the one is to automatically have the other. Okay? Are you all with me? So, to acknowledge the Son is to acknowledge the Father. There's a scripture where John says, in the, in the book of John, he says, where Jesus is saying, he says, If you reject me, he that rejects the Son, rejects the Father also, because the Father sent me. Right? Then there's another one where Jesus says, Very, very, I say unto you, or believe me this, if you receive him who, now the Son says, if you receive him, whoever I sent, you are receiving me who sent him. And if you receive me who sent him, you are receiving the Father who sent me. Can you see the importance of a sent one? One sent to bring you the word. It is, it is a, so, and Jesus says, whoever he sends, and so he is still sending people to bring us to this knowledge and to this revelation. Uh, Verses 24. Let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that, if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you, shall, you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. The desire of the Holy Spirit is that we continue in the Son and in the Father. So, if you don't look for an Antichrist that's going to come. It's already here. Right? So, if you are coming under the influence of an Antichrist spirit, you are rejecting a father-son model, a father-son relationship. You are rejecting the idea that God can dwell in flesh. Even today, there are, someone that, there are people that will struggle with the idea that you would say, God is your father. Right? And that you are a son of God. The Jews struggled with Jesus when he said that God is my father. And the Bible says, and they wanted to stone him. Because he, because he called, because he called God his father. 
Right? And so, because to say God is your father is to say that you come from him. Is to say that you have his DNA. Is to say that you are born of him. Right? Are you all with me? Okay? So, you need to be placing a demand upon the Holy Spirit for sight to this. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 4. Chapter 11 as well. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with him. How do you receive a different spirit? By having a gospel that preaches a different Jesus. Right? And so if you receive the wrong Jesus, then you can have a wrong spirit. So we are establishing that we are with the right Jesus. Amen? Now if you read the book of First John chapter 4 and 5, John is saying, I write these things to you that you may know that you are in Him. And that He is in you. That you may know that you have passed from death to life. That you may know that you, that you are dwelling in God. That he, truly you do have eternal life. Are you all with me? Right? So you, we need to establish this belief, this understanding. Because what we want to do is we want to bring this understanding to a place where we can see it within ourselves. Because God is not far from us. He is very close. He is in us. And the Father and the Son is within us. And we are in Him. Okay. So, let's go to John chapter 30. Sorry, John 20 verse 30. There is no chapter 30. John chapter 20 and verses 30. So, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So, he called his 12 disciples. They followed him. In the time of his ministry, they followed him. And while they followed him, he did many signs, many miracles. He did many wonders and things before him. But why did he do them? Right? And when you read the book of John, John doesn't start his book that he writes, his letter, right? In chapter 1, like Paul then starts and tells you why they're writing. He comes at the end and tells you why he wrote everything. Right? And this is what he does. He says, uh, uh, next one, he say, which are not written in this book, he says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, you, and that believing you may have life in His name. When you believe this, you have life. And what life? Life eternal. What is a life eternal? It's divine life. It's a life that comes from God. It's not the life that's in your blood. That if you lose your blood and die in the flesh, you still have this life. And to leave your body is simply to be with Him. You have already passed from death to life. Right? And so, John is saying, I wrote all these things to you so that you can believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the 
Christ. Now think about it. Wherever Jesus says in the book of John, He that believeth in me, He that believeth in me, Verily, verily, I say unto you that if you believe in me, believe what? What John is saying, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name, right? But believing that Jesus is the Christ, that's why he did signs. Because as they were beholding the signs, they had to come to the conclusion, this is not a man. This is God in flesh here. You come from a different place. You know, like you would watch Superman. And all of a sudden he's picking up cars. You're not from this world. Oh, what did Jesus say? I am not from this world. He said, I am not from this world. I am from above. Right? Jesus is the Christ. That means God has come into the flesh. That means it's God walking in the, a body that looks like yours and mine. Flesh and blood. And then while he's walking, he's walking amongst these people. And as he's walking amongst the people, he's doing signs so that they can believe that God is in the flesh. That this Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And when you can believe this, if you believe that this person died on the cross, because there was others that also died on a cross. It's not just the name, Jesus. It's who's behind the name. You know, like my name is JP. But there's, there's another JP. I don't know how many JPs there are in Morphus. At first I thought I was the only JP. And then I said, no, he's not a JP. Oh, okay. So, which JP are you believing in? Which JP are you introduced to? It's not the name. It's who's behind the name and what he is and the things of him. To make us know that if you found the right JP you are looking for. The right Jesus that you are looking for is the one that's the Christ. The Son of God. The one that is God in flesh. If you believe in that one, then you have believed in the right Jesus and then you have found the life that he came to give to you. Right? Are you all with me? He is the Christ. He writes these things. So when you read the book of John, you know, read with this goal in mind. Right? Read with this goal in mind. That Jesus is the Christ. Amen. (laughs) Right? Read with this. Try to look for this understanding. The purpose of the book that is written is so that you can know that the Jesus that you are reading about is the Christ. Right? So Jesus comes in John chapter 9. There's a man born blind. The man is blind. Can't see. The disciples come and say, who, who, who sinned that this man was born blind? Was it his parents or was it him? You know, or so on. And Jesus says, no one has sinned. Right here? No one can be blamed. Right? And he says, but that you know, you know, he says, that the, that the Father may be glorified and the Son may be glorified through his life. He says, he tells this man, he takes the clay, as he takes the clay, he spits, puts it on his eyes. And what does he do? He sends him away. To the pool of? Which means? And then he says what? Go and? Wash. And wash. What is the pool of the, 
the sent one. It means the preacher. To remove your blindness from knowing him. You need to go to a preacher that will remove your blindness so that you can come to this place of knowing him. And so Jesus, after this man washes and washes and now he sees, it's communicating spiritual truths to us. And he now sees, then this man comes and he's rejoicing and so on. And the Pharisees come to him and they hear about this miracle and they start to cross-question him, asking questions and like, how is this? Who is this guy? Who is that? He said, I don't even know this. I never know, don't even know his name. I, you know, he just said to me, go wash and I did it and I saw and, you know, and I'm just amazed. And, and so they cross-question and they didn't want to accept this this fact that Jesus healed him. So what did they do? They cast him out. And the Bible says, and when Jesus heard that they cast him out, he found him. And when he came to him, he said, do you believe on the Son of God? Now, the saying, do you believe on the Son of God is not an abstract saying. Abstract meaning it's something just in an idea, something you can't touch and feel and see visibly. It's not like the Greek gods that you have, Thor and all these gods, it's in abstract form, right? That you can't touch them, you can never feel them or see them or find the reality of them. But he was looking for this blind man to know Jesus in his concrete state, where he becomes flesh. Where he's not somewhere up there in the, just a thought, believe in the Son of God. Then he asked, but who's he? That I should believe in him. And what does Jesus say? You are looking at him. Concrete. Esau. He's not up there in the heavens, in the, in the, he's here in reality. Flesh. You are looking at him. And you are having a conversation with him. You are talking to God in the flesh. We are chatting. You are seeing him. He that has seen me has seen the Father. He that knows me knows the Father. How do you say, show me the Father? Have I been with you so long a time that you are asking, show me the Father? He that has seen me has seen the Father, I brought him out of the invisible into the visible. I am the image, the visibility, the, the one that, that manifests him. I brought him out of his mystery. I am now making him known. You looking at me, you're looking. Who's the son of God? You're looking at him. Okay, not me now. Jesus. I'm talking in that context. And he says, you have seen him. And then he says, I believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the Christ. You see, what was the story trying to tell you? That God is in the flesh. That's what the story was trying to tell you. Another time they were out on the out at sea and there was a storm and Jesus came walking on the water. And as he's walking on the water, Peter decides to also walk on the water. And then later on he becomes afraid and he sinks. Jesus picks him up, they get into the boat and immediately vanish. And they say, this must be the Son of God. You see, why did he do signs? So that we would believe that this Jesus is the Christ. They spoke about him, but he has now come. He was a thought, a prophecy. But now... He's here in the flesh. You know how difficult that is to believe that. If imagine I said to you, I am the Christ. <laughs> See you laughing already. <laughs> you know how hard it was for the people. It was difficult. And for the disciples to look past the flesh and see God, Christ. In the flesh. For Peter to come and say, you 
are the Christ. The son of the living God. Oh God you have come down. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visit him. Oh he did visit us. He came in the flesh. If you read in the book of Hebrews he says. We see Jesus made a little lower. That means he came. He descended. Right? In the flesh. These things were written. When Lazarus was in the tomb, dead, what was the purpose of the whole story? To introduce you to God in the flesh. Who is he? I am the resurrection and the life. God is in the flesh. Read read John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, verse 14, and this word became flesh and did what? And dwelt among us. And we know him as Jesus Christ. Why did he write the book of John? So that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Great is the mystery of godliness. In the book of Timothy it says, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. In the flesh. If he can dwell in flesh, he can dwell in us. So, the Old Testament, it was right to say, lift up your eyes to the hills. In the New Testament, no. We don't lift our eyes to the hills. We simply... Bow our heads. Father. Because you are in me. And I am in you. You see, oh, John chapter 17, 14. Read, you know, read it from, the, from chapter 11. The whole chapter 11, 12. Chapter 11 is where he starts. He's moving his way to the Passover feast. He's moving to the supper. The last supper with his disciples. And he's talking about this whole thing of the, you know, the bread that he breaks. And the blood that they drink. And so on. Now we're going to have communion. But this communion, the reason he did that, he said, I'm going to distribute myself. That's what I'm going to do. This is point I'm going to be broken. And I will share myself with you. And you will partake of divinity. You are, div- you are partakers of the divine nature. Now divine nature means, the word divine means godlike nature. You are partakers of a divine nature. And communion was only pointing to the fact that I am going to the cross because this is where he starts this weird conversation. I'm going away. You see me now, but you will not see me again. But just a little while and you'll see me again. I'm going, but where I'm going you cannot come now. But after I have gone, when I come back to you, I'll take you to where I am so remember, he starts with the Last Supper, explaining he's going to distribute himself, his essence, his substance, his divine nature. He will share with us. And so now he's saying, how am I going to do it? I'm going to go to the cross. And I'll be buried. And I'll rise again on the third day. And in the resurrection, because I live, you will live also. You will partake of the divine nature within you. Right? Then he, he, then now he starts talking about this going away and so on. In my father's house and this whole thing. That, that chapter, those chapters are talking about this gospel that Paul preached. Christ in you. John spoke it. Because John was actually talking about, as he was writing and recording the words of Jesus, he was, Jesus was actually telling us, guys, I'm moving. Excuse me, 
of ek vergroot my huis. I'm enlarging my home. I'm making many mansions. I'm going to have a temple bigger than this one. I'll be everywhere in so many. So many. How am I going to do it? I'm going to break the bread. I'm going to break the bread. As I break the bread, I'm going to distribute myself into the people. So that where I am, you will be also. But what I will do is I will come into you first. And as I come into you, then I will take you into me. And as I take you into me, we will be in each other. Right? And as we are in each other, we will be one. Inseparable. Neither death nor life. No, nothing can separate us. Okay, can you see? When you find, when you find bullseye knowledge, then everything just... He said the body is for the Lord. Have you read the scripture? The Lord is for the body and the body is for the Lord. So this body of ours was designed by God to house Him. To be His dwelling. Tell the person next to you, He is not far. (laughs) You know, you know, that's why this... That's why the scripture said in Hebrews, you know what Jesus said? You know you're having this joy. You know what Jesus said? These things have I said unto you, that my joy may be in you. (laughs) And that your joy may be full. (laughs) That's what he said. That's what Jesus said. You are never alone. He said, though the world may forsake me, I am not alone. Okay? Doesn't Anderson say that? There's a scripture that says, You will leave me. He says, as he's going to the cross, he says, And I will be alone. But I am not alone. For the Father is with me. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, he says, He says, Be content with what you have. Do not worry about things. Why? He says, Because he will never leave you. No, for say. Why? Because he's in you. Never leave you. Never. He's in you. He's in you. This is the gospel. That if you believe this, you will have life. And life eternal. And you will, if you believe this today, if you haven't believed it before, you will now pass from death to life. You already live forever. Right? Are you with me? Okay? Scripture. So why was these things written? Now when you read with this understanding, I wrote these things so that you may know Jesus is the Christ. And every sign and wonder he did was to prove this. That's why he said, that's why Jesus said this. He said, I am, the Father is in me, and I am in him. If you can't believe this, at least believe the works that I do. Because the works that I do is not me, but the Father who dwells in me. Just believe the works. Why were they done? So that you could believe that God is in the flesh. That Jesus is the Christ. If To believe that, he did signs and wonders. He proved he was not from here. He provided us evidence. Evidence. Right? So, think just about the book of John now. Just think about it. The things he's saying. And he's trying, he's doing signs and he's doing all these things so that he can just provide you with proof. Proof. The Father sent me. Right? Tell the person next to you, you are never alone. 
Why are you so downcast? For you are never alone. You are in the storm, but you are never alone. You are in the fire, but you are never alone. You are going through your struggle, but you are never alone. Never, never, never. You are not forsaken. I love this. First John chapter 4 verses 2 to 3. Imagine I was like the whole week typing this stuff. It's like, oh gee, this is like, this is a, I knew if I started typing this, this would be like almost like a never ending story. Because one verse from the next verse just opens up one to the other. It just, right? Oh, lovely. By this you know that the Spirit, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus is the Christ has come in the, come in the flesh is of God. My children, I don't want you to receive another spirit, another Jesus, another gospel, but to know that you have the right spirit, you have to believe in the right Jesus, and the Jesus that you are believing is Jesus that is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? Verses 3. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Which Antichrist are you waiting for? He is here. Right? Next verse, verse 4. You are of God, little children. Why would he say you are of God? Little children. Listen carefully. And have overcome them because if you can believe that Jesus is the Christ came in the flesh. Why did he come in the flesh? So that he could be in you. To distribute himself. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. And I take this bread and I break it. His physical body was not broken. But he was broken to distribute amongst us. When you take communion, that communion must show you he's in me. Because when you take the bread that was broken and it is given to you, you are, you are saying, by this act, you are saying, I ate the real bread that came down from heaven. That gave us life. This bread was broken. So if if Christ can dwell in Jesus, and this is why Jesus came, that he may distribute himself and become the indwelling God in his people. No wonder John said, you are of God. Little children. Meaning he is your father. And he is in you. you. You see before. It's almost like before we can establish this. That Jesus died on the cross. We must establish this. Who came. Who died. You see. Which one is it. That was there. Right? So, if you, if you are struggling with this idea that God came in the flesh, the Antichrist makes you think there's no ways a virgin could conceive. No. Never. A virgin? No. Right? But, Let's go to Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, 
the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is with us. El is God. God with us. What's the sign? That a virgin shall conceive. You need to believe that. A virgin did conceive. She conceived. She was a virgin. She was pregnant with a virginity. Yes. It's true. Okay. But to it is while she's in that place, she's pregnant. No man slept with her. Right? Right? No man slept with her to impregnate her. A virgin shall conceive. And when that virgin conceives and bring forth a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel. Son of God means Emmanuel. Jesus Christ means Emmanuel. So, listen to this. So while this Mary brings forth a baby, a son, carries this baby, she's looking at God in the flesh. God came in the flesh. She is nursing this child. God in the flesh. A virgin did conceive and brought forth a son. Right? So, let, let's go to, you know, you know, it's in this context, it's in this context that the angel said to Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. <laughs> Mary is holding a baby and it's God in the flesh with God nothing is impossible God is in the flesh if he could dwell like that he can You are never alone. Never. Never alone. Right? Let's, let's go to... Uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 27. Luke chapter 1. There was an angel that was sent to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Right? Give me down to verses 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit shall come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. You will conceive, but the seed will come from God, and the seed is Christ. Christ is the seed. And this woman, Mary, shall conceive through the power of the Spirit. Right? 
And so she conceived and she brought forth the son. And then it says, therefore also, that holy one, the, the old King James said, that holy thing, who is to be born, will be called the Son of God. God in the flesh. Emmanuel. Right? And then he goes, but the holy th- that holy one, a holy thing, you know what, that, what is the Greek word for that? Saint. The, the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes unto the saints. You know what saint means? Holy. Separate. Pure. You are pure not by works. You are pure by birth. You are a saint. By birth. You are born of God. Therefore, you are a saint. Not by work. Not by works that you have not done. Or anything that I didn't lie, I didn't steal, I didn't... No, you are not saint by that. You are saint by birth. You are born holy. You are born a saint. Right? Look to the person next to you and say, You're a saint. Saint <laughs> Lynn. Right? I'm Saint JP. I'm a saint. I was born holy. Right? Born. Right? And that's why we are sons of God. Give us the next, what's the next verse? Say. Now indeed Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. But she did not conceive in the same manner as Mary. Hers was the seed of a man. But Mary had conceived when I look at that, when I think of that picture, it makes it real to me. A baby. God in the flesh. God in the flesh. We are saints because we were born a saint. You are holy. You are pure. You are separated. Because holiness here does got nothing to do with work. That's why in the Old Testament even physical things were considered holy. What does it mean? It was just separated for God's service. So it had nothing to do with what the thing could do. Anything to do with who set it apart. But in this case, you were born holy. You are a saint. That's why you can talk to a holy father. Because you are also holy. Through your spirit. Right? So, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 14. And that word, who is God, became flesh and he dwelt among us and he went to the cross so that we could be in him let me read one last verse and then we finished I'm just going to stop it wherever because I don't know how to stop it (laughs) but to continuously leave you with this point That Jesus is the Christ. And if that is possible, then Christ came to you. He said, I'm going, but I'll come to you. He came. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Paul said, who was separated from my mother's womb. And he says, and when he revealed 
His son in me. I preached him. His gospel was the gospel of the son in us. But I want to read this one. John chapter 17. Let's read from verse 21. John 17 verse 21. We'll end of here and then we'll partake of the communion. Um, it says that they, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in them. That they also may be one in us. So what does he want? He wants us to be in them. Where is he? He's in the Father. And the Father is in him. And they are one. And he wants us to be one in them. How? By being in them. That the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. Verse 23. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. Listen to this. He say, I, the Son, in them. But because you, the Father, are in me, as I go into them, they cannot have me without also having you, because the Father is in me. And when the Son goes into the sons, the Father and the Son came into us. The doctrine of Christ. A Father-Son. You have been brought into this relationship. Christ is the mystery. And this is the mystery of the fellowship. The oneness. We were brought into Him. And He is in us. Let's stand.